listening to The Watchers, the show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch movies about the immortal words of Socrates, who said, I drink, I drink what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, is this going to be us quoting this movie the whole time? It, and so be it if it is. Oh, my God. I'm Andrea. And I'm Jody. And we watched Real Genius. We sure did. We what sure did. What an absolute Oh, my delight. God. This movie feels like my childhood. So much. And my teen years. And my right now today. Yeah. I've seen this movie so many times. Oh, I, my God. In all of my research I did over the last couple of days... I only came across one negative review, and it's so wrong that we don't even need to talk about it. <laughs> but I texted you about it. Like, my heart was racing. I was so mad. Yeah. Yeah. So. I swear to God, like, this whole podcast could just be like, I read a line, and then you see if you can follow it up. <laughs> Our listeners would love it. They oh, no, love, they would not. But... They would love that so much. It is. It's so funny because. Wait, let me try it. He's one of the nope. 10 finest minds nope. in the country. Someday I hope to be two of them. <laughs> it's his dialogue is like, it's so good. It's he's like a little Mel Brooks movie all on his own in this movie. Yeah. Like so many of his like yeah. little one liners feel like they could have come from or, or like maybe more appropriately. He's like his own little top secret. Yeah. Would you classify that as a launch problem or a design problem? <laughs> Your mom puts license plates in your underwear? How do you sit? <laughs> All it's... of my bills was in alphabetical order. This was under H for toy. <laughs> I just, I, I could do this all day and we should not, but there's some that really were like stuck in my head for about a decade and a half afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like it goes from God to Jerry to you to the cleaners. <laughs> and now we're cha-chaing. Yeah. <laughs> you said forward? <laughs> oh it's so good we can do this as much as we want i will edit out as many as i need to make this episode <laughs> under two hours so you should feel free to do what's in your uh, heart we were gonna make you king of the winter carnival <laughs> his reaction there i know like kent is the worst he's just the uh. worst but like the part, the little part of him that does just want to be included. I know. You almost feel bad for. I don't. I know. I don't. But you yeah. almost do. Oh, God. Hey, this Jody. movie. Yeah, what's it about? Oh, it's the best. Mm-hmm. What's it about? Okay. So this is actually, it came out the same year as uh, Weird Science, which is interesting. Okay, so this movie is about a... It's like you could start with Pathaway or you could start with Mitch. Let's see. Okay. So we start out with Mitch, who is one of those like super genius high school students um, who is 15. 15. Important to note. Very important to note. Speaking of things that don't hold up, this is the big one. He's 15. He's a super genius. He goes to college early at... Pacific Tech, which is supposed to be like a Caltech kind of situation, um, to work with Professor Hathaway on lasers and to work with Chris Knight, the previous genius kid mm-hmm. that is now a senior. Um, so he goes, he has some t- trouble adjusting. Um, he meets Chris, he ends up rooming with Chris. 
Um, and Chris has an attitude of, I don't give a fuck anymore. He's they our kinda... manic pixie dream nerd. <laughs> he is. He is. Oh, God, I was so in love with him. Um, mm-hmm. And they butt heads at first, but it turns out that Chris is the way he is because he met the man in the closet, Laszlo Hollyfeld, <laughs> uh, who um, was the previous version of them who burned out so bad that he now lives in the basement. Turns out that they have been brought there to work on Professor Hathaway's weapons uh, project. Yeah, and I mean, not to, to jump in here, but it's not even turns out. You know way before they do. Oh, yeah, it starts It's the with this. first thing yeah. you learn in this well, and movie. And that's what I meant when I was like, you could take this from, like, starting with Hathaway yeah. and the weapons thing. Um, basically, the professor is working for, like, a DOD contract kind of thing um, to create a very illegal mm-hmm. laser weapon that can, like, vaporize a single person from space. Um, and they're rushing him to finish it. So he's rushing the kids to finish it. And then in a, uh, disastrous turn of events, Kent sabotages, uh, Kent, the, how, what would he call him? I mean, he was referred to as a toady in an article I read. He's, I mean, he's this movie, he's really this movie's villain to me, more than, more than Hathaway, maybe. I Um, think he's a victim (laughs) of Hathaway. But anyway, so Kent sabotages the optics of the laser they're working on, which causes Chris to have a realization that they need to freeze it. So then they successfully build this laser, but then Laszlo points out that, what could you possibly use this for? Mm -hmm. Clearly it's a weapon. There's a tracking system. And so then they have to, in the most unrealistic part of this entire movie, sneak onto an Air Force base and, like, hack, I guess, the computer weapon system to point the laser at the professor's house. They also fill his house with unpopped popcorn. He hates popcorn. He hates popcorn. He hates the smell of it. I do, too. Uh, Really? I worked at a movie theater for too long. Oh, and yeah, it, this like, is me and cream cheese. Right, right, right. <laughs> it, like, um, short-circuited my, yeah, no, I my can't. popcorn sensor. I can't stand cream cheese. No, I'm mm-hmm. with you. Um, and so at the end, they test the laser, but they've reprogrammed it, so it hits Hathaway's house. They have... The end kind of wraps up in a, like, little too neat of a package, mm-hmm. but whatever. Um, well, it hits his house, which he has been building... With, like, ill-gotten money from the contract. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's clearly his, like... You know, it's very special to him, this house, apparently. Yeah. And so the house fills with popcorn. The state senator and uh, one of the other professors are there to witness this so that his his uh, dealings will be revealed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tears for Fears plays. <laughs> Kids play in the popcorn. And scene. Do you think... Chris and Mitch live to see the end of this day. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It sort of 
can't decide how serious it is about the consequences of this because it's Mm -hmm. such like a flighty fun ending Mm -hmm. and yet we're led to believe in the beginning of this that like the people in charge may have murdered one of the guys that decided to leave the project like they joke about it like they're developing something specifically to do war crimes yeah to kill people yeah yeah when they're not supposed to i don't think i don't i don't think that like going to the authorities is necessarily going to be protective for them right yeah we're, My biggest... we're definitely supposed to think it is, though. Right. That, like, my... they have exposed this, and now it's over. My biggest my, my biggest and only... I have two gripes about this movie. He's Maybe 15. that's actually my second biggest gripe. Yeah. We were fine with 15 and 19, apparently. I mean, I was 15 and dating a 19-year-old in Well, I mean, like, culturally. Yeah. Apparently, it was okay. Yeah. It, yeah. I know. It... well and but even before that sherry tries to and she is not 19 no and i think we're supposed to think that she's not great for it but it's okay i for jordan i don't know when i was watching this movie the first when i was younger i was kind of like i I don't know what was wrong with my brain i was kind of like that's kind of cool she's like (laughs) she's got a mission She's her mission to sleep with all the best and brightest minds. Good for her. Do that's you, what I'm girl boss, etc. But she says, "I've been waiting for you to be old enough for yeah, this." Yeah, no, that part no. I and never thought that was okay. <laughs> old enough in her head is is fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. No, that that I'm not saying is good. <laughs> I'm just saying that she had like a a goal for herself, yeah. and they she achieves it by the end because we yeah. forgot to mention that at the very end, Laszlo has won thirty one point eight percent of the prizes in the Frida Lay sweepstakes, <laughs> and she finally gets to, you know, mm-hmm. marry him. Apparently, yeah. good for them. Good for them. Laszlo is my favorite part of this whole movie. He's so good. He's I just mean, so good. Obviously, Val Kilmer's delivery of the lines in this movie is, like, top tier. But as a person who wanted to live in a closet for most of my childhood, yeah, I really... don't mean that metaphorically. <laughs> he really is living the, like, like borrower's life that I'd always wanted, you know? I mean, it's Narnia. Exactly. It's, like, I just... His little contraptions. Oh, and it's the dream. He's really living the life. It's the dream. He, like, you know, sneaks out, gets food, goes back into his little mm-hmm. lair. Like, all I wanted was a lair. I know. All I, know. I wanted when I was I a kid. A hundred percent agree. I mean, I used to literally, like hang out in my closet because it was small and i could hide like i just i was not healthy child i guess but anyway my closet in my childhood bedroom was built under the stairs oh nice and it was like the door was like half size so you kind of had to crawl to get Mm -hmm. all the way into it and it went way far back and it had shelves built into it and it was that's perfect i didn't need my room you know what i mean no (laughs) like all i wanted perfect yeah i was very lucky in that I just had one of those two sliding doors closets, mm-hmm. you know, that are in like mm-hmm. the 1950s houses. Yep. Um, but yeah, I would like duck in behind the clothes and just hang out back there, bring a light, mm-hmm. read a book. As the best. Yeah. I would do that now today. I would too. I, I definitely, if I didn't have so much shit in my actual mm-hmm. closets. I mean, I do work in an underground 
in a studio that is underground in a room inside of a room. So it's, I've kind of, yeah, yeah. you've achieved it. Yeah. I've kind of created that life for myself, actually. I mean, I camp out of my car. Like there's nothing like having a little nook that Mm -hmm. you've kind of like created for yourself, you know, like I built a sleeping platform in my car and like have, (laughs) uh, you know, little space. Yeah. No, Laszlo has the dream. And then he then he leaves in an RV, which is also the dream. Yeah, it's a nook on wheels. Exactly. Yeah, that's also the dream. And they're off to her. Um, what did she call it? I've got a survival, survival place, place in Wyoming, in Wyoming where I just came from. There. Where a lot of people. This is literally Silicon Valley billionaires have built survival places in Wyoming in the past five years, like I crazy. That. I believe that real estate in Wyoming has gone through the roof because of these like survivalist crazy people mm-hmm. no he offense says, yes it's getting too weird around here yeah no offense to the survivalist crazy people in our audience i mean i get it yeah me too well i'm i'm one of the things that has been really interesting for me over the course of of this little journey we've been taking um is that i apparently am just really drawn to an odd couple story like, mm-hmm. planes, trains, automobiles, my blue heaven, um, and this one all have that similar, similar yep. vibe. This is a little more my blue heaven in that, like, both of them need to, you know, Mitch needs to yeah. loosen up a little bit. Chris needs to take himself a little more seriously, and they meet in the middle. Yeah. and look what happens. And it's like a goof and a straight man, like mm-hmm. just kind of needing to balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I do think before we start getting into that, I just want to make make it known that at least I am aware that recently there have been some allegations about the guy who played Mitch. Um, oh, no. I know. So one of those um, organizations that, like, try to catfish people into um interacting with underage kids yikes he was caught up in one of those yeah so this article from the daily mail says real genius star gabriel jarrett 53 caught sending sexually explicit messages to someone he thought was a 13 year old girl oh no through a uh something called the creep catcher unit which also sounds a little (laughs) suspect (laughs) to be fair Um, creep catchers caught a creep yeah, so you know, you know, they, you know, he hasn't been prosecuted for it. This was a couple of years ago. Um, or but that anything. seems pretty cut and dry to me. I it don't know. Does yeah. So this was from uh, this year. Uh, yeah, um, social media vigilantes, um, creep catcher unit. Ugh. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll just kind of leave that as something that we are aware of and we will not scandal noted scandal noted. Exactly. I also think that to be fair, Mitch is the least interesting part of this movie. Totally. Like even as a kid, I, when I watched it, I was like, "Eh, he's kind of annoying. I was, I was thinking about that on this watch. I was like, I don't think of this as his movie. It's not. This is Chris Knight's movie. This yeah. isn't Mitch's movie. No. No, this is definitely Val Kilmer's movie. Absolutely. A few background things that maybe we can talk about to start us off. Um, 
you mentioned Martha Coolidge as the director. Um, she went to RISD, which I thought was awesome. Oh. She was the very first film major at RISD. That's which is interesting. Yeah. Really cool. Um, that's another cool. connection to our past movies. She was originally, and we mentioned her uh, when we did this movie, set to direct some kind of wonderful. Um, oh, but she is then... the one that was replaced by Howard Deutsch because she dropped out due to creative differences. Interesting. Uh-huh. And then she went on to do this. Some kind of wonderful before or after this? After. Two years after. After. Okay. Yeah. She did Valley Girl. And then... Yeah, she was not sure she wanted to do this movie because this was um, sort of in the heyday of, like, Revenge of the Nerds and that kind of nerd humor. Um, Mm -hmm. So the producer enlisted a couple of writers to refine the original screenplay and also let her polish it. And so I think that is a little bit about a little bit of how we got away from this being like a revenge of the nerds situation, mm-hmm. you know, it helps that this is a campus fully populated by nerds. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not a nerds versus jocks, right? It's no. a nerds versus other nerds. Uh huh. You know, it's a nerds versus the worst nerd. Yeah. It's the nerds versus King nerd, King nerd. And then like Prince nerd. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think having her at the helm really helped, um, there's three main writers for this. Neil Israel, Pat Proft, and PJ Torkve. There we go. Um, found out some interesting things about these folks as well. Um, the writers are writers on other things you would expect a, a writer mm-hmm. like this of this movie to be a part of. So, like, um, Neil Israel worked on Bachelor Party, Look Who's Talking To. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then um, Pat Proft worked on Hot Shots and Hot Shots, I think, also Hot Shots Part Two, uh, Scary Movie Three. So they're like in mm. that sort of campy uh, comedy realm. However, PJ, I thought this was really cool, was Canadian, was an alum of Second City and SCTV. Um, she produced and was head writer on WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And a co-wrote Real Genius Back to School, Caddyshack 2. Um, she's also a trans woman who transitioned when she was 50. Um, and there's this, I think we should link to this. There's a gorgeous um, sort of remembrance. She died when she was 62. Oh. Um, of her in The Hollywood Reporter from about 10 years ago. Um, that is this, like, beautiful... Uh, sort of story of this author's friendship with her and like the process of working with her. She worked with John Candy. Um, Basically the, I know this, I thought, I thought of you that this whole article starts out. It's by um, it's as told as Scott Feinberg, but it's producer Stan Brooks talking about PJ. And it says the two funniest people I've ever known were John Candy and PJ Torquevay. They're both famous alums from the Toronto Comedy Club known as Second City. And it's just like this really lovely uh, remembrance of them coming out and their friendship and, and all of that. So I just, I loved this. Um, It's beautiful. Yeah. We'll definitely link to that. Yeah, um, she had surgery when she was like fifty-one. Wow. Like, and her her joke about it was, um, "I was hoping for Christy Brinkley. I fear I'm heading towards B. Arthur." 
<laughs> Aren't we all? I know. <laughs> Aren't we all heading towards V. Arthur? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, she passed away, um, of, I believe, of liver failure. There'd been some, like, addiction issues in her younger yeah. years. But, I mean, so much great, great work during yeah, her life. for real. So I thought that that was really cool to, like, learn about her a little mm-hmm. bit more. Let's see. What other... Ba- There's so much background stuff on this movie that's mm-hmm. interesting to talk about. I don't know if you have stuff that you're... Yeah, there's, I mean, the big thing that comes up is how much, how important it was for Martha Coolidge and co. to get the science <laughs> as correct as possible without encouraging people to create yep. extra killer lasers. Yes. Yes. They had to so, walk that line. Yeah, I do really like that. But they like, you know, um, like brought in actual experts and stuff to work on that. And then they also, I think. As as I'm saying this, I'm realizing I think that that's maybe what makes this movie work so well is not only that, but they also brought in students who yeah. were living similar lives to like try to get that as you know as accurate as possible, considering the genre and all of that. Yeah, um, obviously it's not it's not one to one, but I think they wanted the like the the like feelings of these people to feel. Yeah. True. And the guy who plays the math professor was actually that consultant. Mm-hmm. Martin yeah, I, read that, I read that the professors are all, were all real professors from California universities. Oh, God. It's very fun. Did you read the article by uh, Phyllis Rostikus or Rostikus? Rostikus. I don't. Oh, is that the woman who the Jordan was based Who's on? Jordan is based on? Yeah, that was in Slate. Yeah. I really a... liked I really liked that because she does a nice job of talking about how the portrayal of Jordan is both sort of really positive and unusual for the time. Mm-hmm. But, but also... it seems like her experience was positive yeah. and unusual. Yeah. Like she I she says in the article, like, you know, I worked I you know, whether I needed to or not, I did a lot to sort of like be one of the guys guys so yes. i wouldn't get treated differently and i wasn't really treated differently um yeah she she notes a couple of moments in her career where she was where like the men around her actually did stand up for her mm-hmm. um so i think she is maybe a unique case but it's cool to see that jordan who also feels a little bit like a unique case is based in truth yeah yeah no i loved i loved that article and i loved the fact that like um so in the article, it says that she and two other classmates were invited to talk to the producers um, about the movie before it was filmed. And she says uh, they had asked for a girl to talk to. So there I was wearing a sweater I'd knitted overnight the night before, <laughs> which as a knitter, that's fucking insane. <laughs> uh, my bangs cut straight across my forehead and speaking in a voice that people still mistake for a child's. Um, and so it wasn't just her, I think, that they based it on, but she was one of the main inspirations. Yeah, which, um, which she says as well. Yeah. That review that I hated so much, I am going to talk about it a little bit here. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not even going to say where it came from because I honestly feel like, fuck these people. I made me so, <laughs> It genuinely made me so mad. so mad. I know. I was so mad about it. Cause it was just gross because one of the reviewers was saying, like, one of the reviewers was saying, oh, I really like Jordan. Another one was like, Jordan couldn't exist at a university. You might have somebody like Jordan for a week and then she'd be sexually assaulted. They were like, she literally uh, did exist. uh, That's exactly. The guy was like, um, you know, I was an RA and I saw so many students like, and it's like, I, I am not here to say that like men on college campuses 
or I am here, whatever. Like, yes, that is an issue, right? Yeah. Like, we know Still. that it is. Yeah. But to say that, like, this movie, one of their reasons for why they didn't like this movie and didn't find it believable is because Jordan was allowed to be Jordan in this movie without having to, like, fight off, like, predator men is so frustrating. And then in that same review, 30 seconds later, they complained, and I agree with this, that the problem with... Uh, Revenge of the Nerds is all of the like the sexual assault. All of right. So it's like, can, yeah. Can, can't we have a movie where we don't just brush that off? Like, yeah. What, I I was such a gro- like gross. Like, I'm sorry that you see Jordan, and that's where your mind goes. Well, like, that says it, so much more about you, buddy. Than, yeah, I was gonna say we won't say where this review came from, but we will no. say that that was a man that said that. You, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, I think we need to start a feud with this group of people, fu- but yeah. I'll fucking fight them. I don't give yeah. a shit. It made me, I was like, I was seething. Because literally as a girl watching this, and I was never a science kid. I was always arts and writing. Like mm-hmm. that was my vibe. But at the same time, I was a weird kid. Yeah, exactly. Like very weird. And so, you know, in this article, it says, like, among the students was the eccentric Jordan, one of the few girls in the film. She liked Mitch so much that she knitted him a sweater overnight. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't just focused on landing a boyfriend. She tinkered, showed clear proficiency in the sciences, and had no trouble keeping up with Chris, Mitch, and their other friends. Yeah. It showed Jordan as an integral part of a high-performance educational institution. She belonged there comfortably. Mm -hmm. That is what I got from that. Exactly. And I... Man, I'm such a sucker for a weirdo who they let be a weirdo. Like, I know this movie is kind of full of, like, that's the point they're all, or that's one of the points is that they're all kind of, like, misfits in their own way. And then in this movie, they all get to fit in. But the fact that Jordan gets to be one of those, it is, she's supremely weird. Like, she, but she's not Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Like, she, she's incredibly smart. Yeah. And they don't try to change her. Mm -hmm. Like, in another version of this movie, preferably, you know, probably in the 90s, she would get a makeover, right? She would go from this, like, weird little nutcase Mm -hmm. to, you know, her boobs out and, like, you know her glasses right, and off put some, and, and she'd say that like like mitch would be like what what did you do and she'd be yeah. like oh i and it'd be some scientific nonsense she used to make herself hotter right <laughs> right exactly and instead she just like helps them you know with this big science thing they're doing mm-hmm. like i just i really don't um i don't see that in her like I think the main flaw in this movie when it comes to women a is obviously they don't talk to each other at all mm-hmm. um but also that um, that she even has a love interest in Mitch. Like, right. Because yeah. I don't think somebody like her would actually be interested in someone like Mitch, to be honest no. with you. No, I don't. I don't think so either. Least or maybe least or chief of all. I'm not sure which, but that he is a 15 year old child. Yes. Like and yes. like 15 and 19 is a that's a big difference. Yeah, like, it is. Not like it's not just that as he's... someone who dated a 19 year old when she was 15, I can agree <laughs> yeah, with that. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. I look back now and I'm like, yikes. And I think it's so, well, we had the same thing with, it was a bigger age difference. Um, just shifted forward with, uh, hiding out mm-hmm. where was her yeah. name? Ryan. I think her name is Ryan. Jordan. Yes. Ryan, Cause she's cool. Cause she has yeah. a boy's name. Yep. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, Ryan is 
she's 18, I guess, at least, but he's almost 30, that like weird, and that is just kind of brushed yeah. off, and that's annoying. And especially because this movie, Mitch doesn't need a love interest, and neither does Jordan. This no. movie, but it's, you know. It just has to be kind of shoved in there. Right. But I will say, so the counterpoint to what I just said is also in the same article where she says, um, Jordan is an inspiration for some of the women that had contacted, um, excuse me, the author of this article, um, because she says she's smart, keeps up with the boys, doesn't conform to feminine stereotypes, rescues others, is nice, and still ends up the romantic interest. So, like, there is the fact that, like, the romantic interest in this movie is a nerd, you That's know. true too, because there is there's a version of this podcast where if she hadn't had a love interest, we would have been like, oh, why does the cool quirky girl have to like yeah. also be like totally desexualized, right? right. So right. like, but okay, yeah. Anybody else in the movie? Yeah. Let anybody else I except know. for Kent be her love interest. <laughs> Even Kent would be better because he's at least the right age. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I loved this article. I, you know, she talks about like the, like you said, the, the ways that her experience was abnormal and also the ways that being a woman in STEM, especially at that time period had its own challenges. And I think it's from that article or maybe another one we'll link to everything though, where at the time, and I think I, I know now it has changed, but at the time the like ratio and at Caltech in particular, which pacific tech is based on was seven to one yeah so it's not the movie doing a bad job at representing diversity it's the movie doing a good job representing the reality yeah exactly yeah and she says at the very end of that article uh 30 years since real genius the class of 2018 at caltech entered with two women to every three men so yeah better hell yeah much Better. better yes um no, I loved I loved reading that because I find Jordan to be like one of the most fascinating characters in the mm-hmm. movie because like even though I wasn't a science kid, like <laughs> I am constantly picking up new hobbies and like <laughs> yeah, like learning how to do I, new ridiculous things and man, I love she and Chris are really the match because the two of them are like cuz Chris Knight isn't, I mean, he's like a slacker in this movie, kind of, in that he's, like, not interested in the schoolwork, but he's always doing cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got all sorts of little, like, mini inventions all over the place. That's so fun. Yeah. He's so fun. Yeah. I love, I mean, we said this last week when we were introducing this movie, but this really ruined what college was supposed to be for me. Like, I really was like, college is going to be amazing. I'm going to, I skate in the hallway. Quirky parties. Fun, yeah. Like, and a bunch of nerds, which would have been a delight for me as Mm -hmm. a nerd. Like. Mm -hmm. Me and all my cool nerd friends. Yeah. Yeah. Having like, you know, parties with inflatable pools and. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Tanning invitational. <laughs> Such a weird. Uh, like, think about how much work it must have been to set all that up. He is a dedicated mind. Yeah. It's just is. not on school, you know? He is. Yes. Um, other, like, background info that I thought was interesting, um, and I'm doing this mostly because I, I we're going to delve into just randomly quoting the movie if we're not careful here. <laughs> I texted you this morning. John Grease, who plays Laszlo Hollyfeld, mm-hmm. you mentioned he's also Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. That's right. <laughs> which I had known about and then forgotten because Napoleon Dynamite was 
one of those movies that like everyone was obsessed with and I was kind of like, yeah, it's funny. Okay. I like, so Napoleon Dynamite suffers in hindsight. Yeah. Because I I was also I feel like with you being a few years older than me, I could see being a little eye rolly about that movie. It mm-hmm. came out in what two thousand? Is that four? Yeah, it did not come out at a time when I was like in the mood to watch that movie. That's for two, sure. Two thousand four, it came out. So I was a senior in high school, and I was just like probably if I'd been a couple of years older, I might have been. Although I'm sure there are plenty of people who are older than me who love that movie, but I. So I saw that movie in the theater twice. I loved it. I thought it was so weird and yeah. so irreverent. And then everything in comedy after that tried to be Napoleon Dynamite. Yep. And that like weird for weird sake, like yep. so random stuff yep. that I am exhausted by now. Yeah. Like I don't, it's not Napoleon Dynamite's fault. You know what I mean? Right. But I still yeah. like my knee jerk reaction to that movie now is to roll my eyes. Yeah. Which is upsetting because I, I really did love that movie. That's another yeah. movie like I can quote still despite having not watched it in probably 15 years at this point. Like, yeah. And if I had seen it at a different time back. in my life, it would have done the same thing to me. It just, I just was the wrong time. I remember those opening credits in that first scene, like Napoleon gets on the bus and he throws his action figure out the window. He's got it on a fishing line. And it's like, I remember being like, oh, this is so weird and I'm going to be obsessed with it. Yeah. And I, and I was, and now sadly, like I'm, I'm, I, I'm exhausted by that kind of humor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not Napoleon's fault. But. No. And it's but not Uncle Rico Uncle Rico's it. fault. No, he could throw a stake over them mountains though. Just so you know, Jody. <laughs> The thing that that freaked me out is like when you see somebody, you know, thirty years after a previous part, and you don't make you don't recognize that it's the same person. Mm-hmm. And that is, he was in White Lotus playing Jennifer Coolidge's husband just this oh, past season. Funny. And like, I watched all of White Lotus. Like, it's just candy. It's like you know, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's great, but, but it's it's like it's the kind of thing that like you watch it. You enjoy it, and then it's kind of gone, right? Mm-hmm. That um, makes sense. But, but yeah, he has a pretty significant role in. Actually, he was in both seasons, but most more in the oh. second season as Jennifer Coolidge's husband, Greg. Um, so, and it just did not occur to me that that's the same face, but it's obviously the same face when you uh-huh. look at it again. Michelle Myrink, who played Jordan, had retired from acting literally like three years after this. She was like, eh, "I'm good." I noticed that with a few of the actors in this movie, they don't No. And it's not even like a lot of times with these, when we dive into the actors, we'll see they did a ton of bit parts and throughout where them, you can tell that they yeah. really tried to make a career out of it. But there are a lot of actors who just like their last credit is in like 1985. Yeah. <laughs> it's... She stated she wanted more out of life than the profession was offering. And she became a Zen Buddhist. Um, and then moved back to her hometown of Vancouver and just raised kids and eventually started an acting school um, in 2013. But interesting, she has not she's, acted since 89. I also know her. She's got a small part, but it is an important one um, in The Outsiders. Yeah. And that book was my favorite book for yeah. like favorite book like can still quote the opening chapter like long passages can still quote long passages of that book i've read it so many times um and she plays cherry valance's friend marcia she's the one who like um if you've seen the movie she like kind of she has like a 
she's like sharp and has like a a little flirty back and forth with Tubit, and it is. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I have seen she's, that movie, she's great. but I haven't seen it in a million years. Yeah, she's 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 uh, Cherry's friend at the drive-in. She drinks the soda that is offered to her, which is like a big deal because it's like Cherry has standards and won't you know take a drink from a from a greaser um and and marsh is like i'll take a free soda i don't give a shit i like (laughs) i like that yeah yeah anyway so she's she's great in the couple of things that she's in but good for her yeah do what she wants she's like no i'm done um other sort of production stuff that I I knew about the myth. Have you watched the Myth Mythbusters episode about the I popcorn? Haven't wa- I haven't watched it. But. I think I saw it when it first came out. I because I remember um, I just have a vague memory of it. But yeah, they they did a Mythbusters episode about the um, uh, the popcorn scene at the end um, to see if it was possible to destroy a house by popping mm-hmm. that much popcorn in it. Um, apparently mm, not really they did use a they used a small laser to pop a single kernel wrapped in aluminum foil showing that it was possible to pop popcorn with a laser um but they could not get a um a laser large enough to do a real test on like a scale model she's very funny yeah so they tried doing it through, it says, like, induction heating, and the result was that the popcorn was unable to expand sufficiently to break glass, much less break open a door or move the house off its foundation. But Instead, it's it ceased so to expand. much popcorn. Did I they know. think about that? <laughs> it ceased to expand and then simply charred. Um, it was also specifically stated in the program that a 5-megawatt laser still did not exist, even in military applications. Did you? And the most powerful you... laser was 100 kilowatts. Yes. Did Do I what? Know... Do you know what the most powerful laser is now? Did you see that? I number? think I saw it somewhere, but no, I don't remember what. What is it? It's in the like million billions, like it's insane. Um, and apparently, there's a laser. So I, I read. I will find it and link to it. That we are like orders of magnitude or whatever. I got a real STEM brain. I don't know if you know that about me, Jody. <laughs> um, like more powerful than five megawatts but apparently vulcan 2020 is a laser that should be finished by 2029 and will produce a beam one million billion billion that's two times brighter than the most intense sunlight jesus christ why great question did real genius teach these people nothing obviously not all science no philosophy so upsetting Ugh. But they just... talk about the popcorn scene, the um, 20 petawatts. That's just stupid. We don't. Why do we need this? We had to invent a new term, a new term. Eight. Uh, oh, God. The Vulcan 2020 laser is so named because it will generate a main laser beam with an energy output of 20 petawatts alongside eight high energy beams with an output of up to 20 kilojoules. It's too many. Why? It's too many laser, Jody. We don't need it. I we mean, you know why? It's so you can. It. You can vaporize somebody from space. You know, so you and I got to get our fake IDs, our fake uh, government IDs, <laughs> and all climb put onto the plane. Yeah, yeah, and replace the the chip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fun little note for that 
is that they're using Kent's car. I just love the yeah. like recurring bit of fucking with Kent's car. Yeah. It had previously been in his dorm room and mm-hmm. they somehow got it back out. I don't know how they got it in there in the first place. That doorway is not wide enough. No, no. I mean, I think it's implied that like somehow they took it apart, but you can't just take a car apart, bring it into and a room and put it back together. I don't think that's possible. Well, they did it. They're geniuses. They are and we're geniuses. Not, that's true. So. We're supposed to just accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this quote about uh, the popcorn scene from, um, I think it was William Atherton said, now they do it digitally, I guess. But in those days, you had to pop the dang popcorn and put it in a <laughs> truck and schlep it out to the valley. Yeah. Apparently, they spent literal months popping that popcorn and saving it in a giant container, like a huge, yeah. like... Yeah. And they had to like coat it so it wouldn't disintegrate and like protect it from birds eating it and like Do you think they protected it from birds eating it? Do you think they actually gave a shit about whether or not or do you think that was a CYA like a cover your ass line? <laughs> Maybe. But I just like it would have been so fun to see that they like had a house like purpose built for it in the valley where there was like a construction Zone. I did just start to say how fun to swim in that. And then my heart started racing because I realized if you sank to the bottom of that, you would have no um, way to get enough leverage of the popcorn to pull yourself back up you and you would die. I know. It's it like how like people in, in a corn an silo or an avalanche. Yeah. In a corn silo. That's what you can yeah. get to. Yep. Wow. People die in corn silos all the time. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like that's true. I was going to say, why do you know that? Grain silo death. I'm sure that I know this is a thing i mean i know about avalanches grain entrapment got its own wikipedia i'm gonna have nightmares now yep i think about this kind of death all the time because a ball pit you would also the good thing about a ball pit is the balls are too big to get into your lungs but like you would (laughs) if you couldn't if somebody couldn't pull you out you'd have no way to to climb back up they would just keep sinking sentences that you say that are just going to live with me for the rest of my life and i think that's one of them they would just the good thing about ball pits (laughs) is that the balls are too big to get into your lungs but it's not true about grain it's not true about grain it that's grain entrapment and you can breathe in popcorn if it's small enough you can breathe it in to your lungs if it's small enough is that what you mean Yeah, yeah absolutely that's what popcorn lung is right Oh my god. <laughs> the good thing about ball pits is that the balls are too big to get into your lungs. It's, it's the one good thing. Wow. Now wow. I'm thinking of a movie. Oh no. Listeners, what movie or maybe TV show am I thinking of where this does happen? I can picture that it. someone drowns in a ball pit? <laughs> happens we've discussed like three different ways of dying in pits of things grain entrapment grain entrapment oh it might be jigsaw oh no it is okay yep it's jigsaw yikes i'm gonna have nightmares um i think about the ball pit thing a lot not a lot but like more often than you clearly You would just languish. I don't think, I think there is enough space between the balls that like you wouldn't eventually, I think popcorn, you would eventually run out of oxygen might be the issue depending well, on just, how deep the, but it's I about, don't... yeah, it's about the amount of size between the objects, right? Like right. there's enough space between the balls and they're plastic. So they don't change shape when they right. like, they don't mold into each other yeah. to form and a I, solid. And I think that you, I think that enough air from the surface could get through to the bottom that you would suffocation would not kill you and right. it would take a long time to die in a, in a deep enough ball pit that is so deep you can't climb out. 
Well, and the thing with avalanches is that the snow compacts itself, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, mm-hmm. like, and you can't compact plastic ball pit balls. Ex- exactly. Why are we taking this so seriously? Um, <laughs> I think it's important. Not enough people are talking about this, Jody. No, <laughs> people are. Um, yeah. It wouldn't even really have to be that deep. Just tall enough <laughs> that you can't get your arms up over to the sides of it. You know what I mean? To pull Unfortunately, yourself up. Unfortunately, I do. Like whatever, I do. whatever my arm span is straight up on my tippy toes plus like four inches would do it. I so guess it I would could take hop. less to to drown you in a grain silo than me because I'm well, taller and have longer arms. It would take. Yes, correct. So that's a blessing. Yeah. For me. Because yeah. you die faster. Yeah, we're both going to do. There's no getting saved. <laughs> Great entrapment is you're done. You're done. I guess. Wow. I was still thinking ball pit, but either way. Right. The well, ball pit okay. doesn't scare Actu- me. Forever. No, because you would get out eventually. I don't know how, but you would. I don't think. I mean, you can't unless outside intervention. They don't weigh very much, though. Right. So you can't get, imagine you're just flapping your arms. But there's not, to... but there isn't an infinite ball pit. Like you could eventually move it's... your way over to the edge, to a but, wall of some kind. And then what? And then you climb the wall. If it's taller than you, you can't. What if you, okay, but those balls are not indestructible either. So what if you like smashed a couple of them and started to like build them up on top of each other? And so you could build like a step. I think I, you could get out. I, I think that I, you could get out. They're going to be slip sliding against each other. I don't think you can build not them high enough. Not if you smash enough. them and they're flatten them gonna, out. Yeah, then you're no, going to have I'm little so hockey pucks. About this. I think you, I know yeah, you are. I think you could you're going to have a bunch of hockey pucks. I don't think you can. Because I think you could do unless it unless you can smash them perfectly uniformly so they stack and don't slide. But they're going to slide. But you haven't specified that the inside of this ball pit is like a smooth texture. It like, is. What is. Have you ever been in a ball pit? It's just a bigger one. It's just the biggest ball pit. I don't know what's confusing about this, Jody. <laughs> it is, it is perfectly I, smooth. I, I have more faith in my athletic ability. It's not about athletics. <laughs> I believe I would drown in a grain silo. I just, I yeah. don't, I don't know that the ball pit would also do it. Well, that's an optimistic way of looking at things. But I, I hate to break it to you. I am an optimist about I this. I hate to break it to you. It's, as someone who has spent a lot of time thinking about this, yeah, you, you're you new. Have. You're new to the to the dilemma, but I'm telling you, it's lights out for both of us. Wait, there's a lot about this on Reddit about dying in a ball pit. Yeah, wait, really? <laughs> there, the first thing that came up when I googled death in a ball pit. This is probably not something to laugh about. Is reflections on the 1992 Chuck E. Cheese ball pit incident. Oh my god. <laughs> Man, cut this out. I have to tell you, we're not cutting this out. This is absolutely staying in. ENT Magazine, dear evil engineer, how deep would a ball pit need to be to drown in it? I cannot tell you how good it feels to know I am not the only person thinking of this. Reddit, shower thoughts. If a ball pit was deep enough, could you drown in it? Again, everybody is. Here's here's the issue. Is you were all thinking of this the wrong way. It's not about drowning. It's that you would die slowly because you would just languish down there. You, because it nobody would, take, would come to help you. No, you would die in the amount of time it would take you to die f- 
from I guess lack of water would be would dehydration is probably the thing that we, you would you would die from. Yeah, apparently you're not the only person to think about this like with great in great detail. Yeah. Well, and a couple of things I'm I'm realizing now is that some people are saying that you wouldn't run out of air. However, enough balls apparently well, I'm not thinking of it this way, but with balls the balls themselves are very light, so you yes. would need a lot for them to crush you, though eventually enough of anything can crush you, I think. Right? Like a snowflake is so light, but an avalanche right. kills you no problem, kills you easy. And but I think there's the, water in there too. That's true and too. And that adds to weight. Um, but apparently the article I'm reading, um, which is at engineeringandtechnology.org, um, you would need 44,000 balls um, <laughs> to provide lethal pressure in a certain um, diameter ball pit. Again, doesn't matter to me. You just need enough to fill the ball pit up, and you will eventually die from starvation and or dehydration. Yeah, only if you're, like, the only person within, yeah. like, a 10-mile radius locked you never in a room ne- with it that's soundproof so no one can hear you yell from the ball this pit. This is two different brains here because <laughs> I'm not considering the outside. I'm telling you that what would be very – that a really horrific way to die would be at the bottom of a ball pit that you can't escape. Right. That would be horrific is my point. Okay. It would. Mm-hmm. It just is extremely unlikely. Lots of things are unlikely in this world, Jody. <laughs> There's so many articles now that are coming up. God, I feel great. I I'm had so... the fright of my life. Mom falls. Mom, this is from Australia, falls into a giant ball pit and can't get out. Wait. Yes. A video of a mum. Stuck inside a huge ball pit, waving her hands frantically for help has gone viral, and it's not hard to see why. I screamed for help. According to Vivian's Facebook post, things started out fine, but when she lost her balance and fell over backwards into the zillions of plastic balls, things got a little crazy. I could not reach the bottom, and I could not stand up. I tried to roll over. I couldn't. I tried to find the net so I could grip it. I couldn't. My son was stuck inside, too. I panicked and waved and screamed for help. No one came. No one came? Oh, How did she eventually get God. saved? There was somebody there. Apparently, yeah, it says apparently exactly. Vivian's helper, who shot the video thinking she was filming footage of fun family times. Hilarious. Took a while to realize something was Hysterical. wrong. Hysterical. It was then that the mom was forced to take matters into her own hands. I finally grabbed someone's hand and managed to stabilize myself and stood up. <laughs> this is from a website called Babyology, by the way, so I don't know if any of this is true, but... Uh, Unbeknownst to the mum, until that very moment, her own son was caught under the balls, too, along with several other children and goodness knows who else. Horrifying. So scary. It was then that the staff came by to help me drag the kids out of the balls before I climbed out. They were all about six to eight years old. Imagine if there were no one there to help. Well, if if there were a bunch of you, you could... Build a human ladder eventually. This is a giant ball pit. I'm sending you this article. This may give you nightmares. I don't want it to, but it might. Hold on. Oh, I entertain so many horrors on a daily basis. <laughs> if it's not that, it's if it's going to be something else. So don't you scroll don't to you the worry bottom. about me. Scroll to the bottom for the video. I'm always deeply horrified. This is just too big of a ball pit. That's the problem. That's what I'm telling you, Jody. Now, now you see where I'm coming from. <laughs> you have to watch the video. Oh my god. It's just too big. 
You just shouldn't make a ball pit that big. You know, another issue is that the like um container for it is net like yeah so it like stretches out Mm -hmm. see these people nobody's thinking like i am (laughs) need to have you in to inspect their ball pits for safety correct so true yeah it's just not not ideal not ideal other science uh parts of this movie they did Mm -hmm. actually like create the ice hallway which seems super fun. Super fun. So unnecessary to actually do it. Yeah. And it makes me so happy that they were. That's what I mean about like, for some reason, them getting the science right where they could was important to them. I think yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. It. The crew used a frozen volatile gas pumped through thousands of <laughs> feet of tubing beneath the corridor flooring that was connected to a refrigeration unit to keep the gas cold. Man, I love that they had to figure out how to do that. It's yeah. so fun. I know. I like the joy of Val Kilmer on ice skates, like I twirling know. around saying I'm depressed is like, <laughs> that's one of my favorite. I'm it's depressed. So good. <laughs> it's Man, so good. He is. I know. I know. I know. I know. And I know this whole movie could just be hours of this, but he is so delightful in mm-hmm. this movie. He's so delightful. Yeah. Yeah. He really is. I mean, like, the sort of silliness and the quickness of his responses to everything. It's just... Do you know how much of it was scripted? I think most of it. Yeah? I haven't read anywhere that there was a lot of improv in it. Um, yeah, if there was, it hasn't been, like, widely reported on. Um, but Val Kilmer is notoriously a pretty method actor. Mm-hmm. Um Apparently, when he came into audition for the movie, he was, like, already in character and kind of insulted the um, producer. Just, like, because that's what Chris Knight would have done. Right, right. Yeah, and I read the line. It was not a very – that that um, story, which I also did read, does kind of prove to me that he wasn't <laughs> doing much ad <laughs> Wasn't doing – you, you just come back to our Zoom room. <laughs> wasn't doing much ad-libbing because the line isn't funny it's just me that he says to the guy yeah yeah <laughs> maybe no. you're smarter than me but can you do this <laughs> oh it's so good just as a little peek behind the curtain i looked down for a second and i looked up and suddenly andrea's zoom background was a ball pit i'm just why i started laughing a hell of my own yeah creation yeah i am in the classroom with all the recording devices. And I was still at the Great Falls, another place you could drown, but, or a place, because you can't drown in a ball pit. You can die in a ball pit. They're two when they things. drained the Patterson, the falls recently, mm-hmm. I was shocked to hear there were not a ton of bodies at the bottom of it. <laughs> Seems like yeah. there's a, there's a movie in that where like some, some mob lackeys find out they're going to drain it and have to go in yeah. and yeah, recover yeah. all the bodies before it happens. Yeah, exactly. I, w- I would watch that movie. Um, okay. I think that's all the background stuff that I have about this movie. Like, I just thought it was cool that they, like, took the science very seriously. They actually, they're, um, Laszlo's uh, scam was something that actually 
was like based on a real thing also mm-hmm. like in 1969 students from caltech tried to do this do what they did like to game the odds with a frito-lay contest mm-hmm. and then in 75 three computer programmers used at ibm to generate 1.2 million entries in a contest for mcdonald's where they received 20 percent of the prizes it's pretty good yeah yeah um, i also read that his like contraption to do it is based on a leonardo da vinci yeah machine yeah. and his whole his whole little setup, setup is like a tribute to da vinci yeah again very fun and unnecessary which makes yeah. me like it even more yeah exactly Ugh. when that closet door opens and you see like and he finally closes the door behind him and you see it start to open up mm-hmm. and it says this is it <laughs> that's like one of the most exciting moments in a movie for me as a child. Absolutely. It's just like, he did it. He found it. It's so good. And then you just see the scariest thing he'd ever seen. Or no, the most <laughs> disgusting thing he'd ever seen. Holly Feld in his pajamas. <laughs> Holly Feld in his pajamas. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Then, and then Holly Feld um, offers to let Mitch borrow a pair of his pajamas, which I is know. very nice. Laszlo is so sweet. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. I... It drives me crazy, and I'm, I know that Chris Knight is a better person than I am, that he doesn't rat Kent out for um, sabotaging the laser. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the only reason he doesn't is because it leads to his discovery, and so he kind of doesn't need to because he solved the problem, and he's, like, would, on this high from doing Kent's that. But Kent's been such a pain in the ass this I whole know. time. I would love to be like, guess what? Yeah. But oh, he got boy. everything that he wanted, you know? He got the job. He got... He solved the problem. Like, Kent is no longer... Again. ...that important. It's not everything that I would want. What I would also <laughs> want is for Kent to suffer horribly. Right, right. That's they fair. do make him think that he's got some sort of horrific mental illness where God is talking to him, though, so... Yeah, he's researching schizophrenia at one point mm-hmm. in the movie. Also, there's a lot of masturbation shame in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole thing is, like... Stop touching yourself, Kent. <laughs> it's like it is God. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. And Roger Ebert really liked this movie. Mm-hmm. He gave it three and a half stars. Um, I cannot. I, I kind of appreciate that. He he's got weird taste in movies, it seems. But he says um, it allows every one of its characters the freedom to be complicated and quirky and mm-hmm. individual. Um, and he also says. That uh, what I like best about her, meaning Martha Coolidge, the director, is that she gives her characters the freedom to be themselves. They don't have to be John Belushi clones or fraternity jocks or dumb co-eds. They can flourish in all of their infinite variety as young people with a world of possibilities and a lot of strange, beautiful notions. Uh, it says Real Genius contains many pleasures, but one of its one of the best is its conviction that the American campus contains life as we know it, mm-hmm. which I kind of love. Yeah, I taught. At mostly commuter colleges, and I think that because of that, I didn't have the, like, weren't a ton of students stumbling in from, like, from their bedroom, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So I can't really comment on that, but I do, like... That they do all feel like little people in this movie. Yeah. And I mean, my college experience wasn't, obviously wasn't this either. I was not a science genius. Um, But, and I only was away at college for the first year. Like my Mm -hmm. freshman year, I went away and then I came back and went to Montclair and commuted from home. So I didn't have this experience either. I did have one year of dorm life, um, but it was not nearly this fun. Right. Um, There was no graffiti in the hallway. 
weirdly grad school to me, and I, I didn't live on campus then either, but I think my grad school experience was closer to this because so many of the people who went to my grad school, my program was pretty competitive. Mm. And so a lot of people moved to Jersey for this program. And a lot of us were adjuncts who shared office space and mm. spent so much time together. And we had a building on campus where all the grad students also hung out that felt kind of like our, yeah, like a dorm in a, in a way, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I took plenty of naps in my office. Um, so like that no, kind true. of like, uh, weird little community again of little weirdos all sort of banding together i mean i went to an mfa program in visual art so i also Mm -hmm. had that like the studio spaces um at school for the grad students were a fucking disaster like they did Mm -hmm. look like that hallway right Right, exactly and like the scene in where they're studying for exams and the one kid gets up and starts screaming at everyone Mm -hmm. and like runs out and then they just kind of calmly like that could have happened in art school at three in the morning when we were all in our studios. Like exactly. the number of, you know, ridiculous breakdowns we all had. So that part I did get in mm-hmm. grad school too, I think. Yeah. So, so it's not, cause I think a lot of this movie feels unrealistic, but I think the heart of it weirdly doesn't despite yeah. um, the sort of like fanciful nature of yeah. so much of it. Well, and a lot of the critiques that I read of this movie earlier on before the past 10 years or so was the like unrealistic nature of a bunch of college students working on something that serious and like but that's not no. that far-fetched at all. Mm-hmm. Like we're literally like in the middle of yet another moment of like has science gone too far? Exactly. You know, with AI and everything. Like Yeah, and I don't think I I mean, I think I read a couple of articles that were like, well, not to this extent necessarily, but definitely students working on projects for, and it's important to remember too, is that like most of the time at this level of like expertise in any field, the people teaching the students are also working in their fields yeah, and often use those students to yeah. help like that just it's not it's not that far-fetched at all no and it's often not in like a negative way right but i just i know like like personally people in my life who in much more benevolent ways yeah have worked at university level in grad school on projects that went on to have real world implications because they were working with professors who worked in the real world in their field does that make sense well and that's the thing is they even say in this movie like kind of jokingly lasers are a young science because you know he's 15 but it's true a lot of these sciences are being spearheaded by you know people that are not that far out of college exactly you know i I don't think that part is that part of it is i don't think is particularly unrealistic no i don't either this is a total side note but I didn't notice this the first thousand times I watched this movie mm-hmm. in Kent's room when they're after they've implanted the chip in his braces and they're talking to him as if they're God. Why are there handprints on his walls? Did you notice this? I just haven't thought about it because there's so much weird graffiti stuff. I know, but not in them. his room. Yeah. There's just handprints on his walls. I wonder if we missed, if not we, if there was something that was cut or something 
of it them. It was so creepy this time. I don't know why I never noticed it before, but they're literal like they it's they're the like dark Blair colors, Witch. but it's the it is. Blair Witch of it all that made it pop free. It this is. Side. There's like bloody handprints or something on his walls. It's really creepy. Why do you go into our closet to get my clothes? But that's not why he goes in there. Of course not. He's twice your size. Your clothes would never fit him. <laughs> 20, 20 points, points higher, higher than, than me. He's a big guy it's like that guy wears clothes. <laughs> I did not have to look that up. <laughs> Oh, thinks my a big God. guy like that could, could wear, wear his, his clothes. clothes. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, what do you want, Knight? World peace, but I don't <laughs> think this is the time to discuss it. Uh, little note: Chris always calls Jerry Jerome Jerry by his first name. Yeah. Ken is not allowed to right. call him that. Yeah. He calls him your joggingness at one point. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, we know Ed Lauder from Girls Just Want to Have Fun, by the way. He's the kind military dad. He's yeah. the mean military man in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of um, sort of uh, wardrobe flair happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. Chris's bunny slippers and his crow slippers. And then at the end, when the other professor comes in, they're both wearing different bunny slippers. <laughs> Like Chris just, Knight is just so well dressed in this movie. Yeah. I, again, it's the manic pixie dream yes. nerd of it all. When he yes. shows up to that tour for the the job and he's wearing the little doodle-doodle-loots. Uh-huh. It's when I wear it anywhere else, it chafes. Yeah. And the toxic waste t-shirt. Uh-huh. I love toxic waste. I mean, do we need to talk any more about the like role of women in this movie? Like they kind of don't have one outside of Jordan. They're beauticians. <laughs> Yeah, the a bunch of beauticians. We've got a bunch student of beauticians. beauticians. A bunch student beauticians. Student beauticians. Uh, we've got Jordan. We've got Sherry. Uh, Sherry, and the daughter, uh, and the daughter, and they're kind of it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it is. It's a mixed bag here because the two other women in this movie are sexually liberated, um, and blonde. confident <laughs> blonde women, but they are. Yeah. They are confident. It's, you know, they're only there to really be, like, interested in sex. But but I'm okay. I don't know. We're 1980. Yeah. No, I actually (laughs) remember thinking, like... um... I remember. I, I I don't know. We maybe are... Maybe we're, like, hunting for crumbs here. But, like, I do think that the fact that Sherry, who is clearly an older woman, Mm -hmm. is seen as, like, a sex object by... Chris in the beginning, mm-hmm. like I kind of at the time found that surprising and fun that like yeah. she's clearly like in her maybe her fifties or forties. I don't know at the time. Yeah, who know. knows? But she's she's not especially she's not young. His age, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good for her, old Hostetter isn't he dead? He is now. <laughs> he is now because <laughs> she killed him with her sex. Yes. You get it? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. That's fun. I think that's fun. I don't know. I'm fine with it. I know. I know. I mean, there's no women co- communicating with each other, but well, also seven this to, is seven to one. Like, yeah, exactly. I also noted this time uh, on this watch that the first time we see Jordan, she is wearing um, a tank top and overalls, which is basically my uniform, um, <laughs> which I appreciate her for that. It's the Claudia Kishi of it all. Does that mean anything to you? No. Babysitter's Club? 
No, no, Claudia, the artsy one. Wrong That's generation. Like, she'd be like wearing. I don't think so. The books. Yeah, the books. I was a Sweet Valley High girl. But is it a generational thing? It is. They were a little bit later. My my book series was Sweet Valley High. Hmm. Yeah, 1992. Yeah, published between 1986 and 2000. So I was 11 when they started. Wrong generation. I was already on to, like, aspirational high school books. Okay. I was ahead of my time, Andrea. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, we are... We are spiraling I know. this week. I know we are. We are I mean, scrambling like somebody at the bottom of a grain silo. <laughs> or a ball pit. Or a ball pit. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think it's safe to probably wrap this. I mean, like, we are basically just getting to the point where we're just quoting. Moles and trolls, moles and trolls. Moles and trolls. One thing that I was reminded of this time around was that Professor Hathaway has a TV show. (laughs) And I was thinking about how science TV shows were a big thing at this point. Yeah. Mr. Wizard. Yes. I loved Mr. Wizard. I loved Mr. Wizard. He was so great. There was also other more serious science TV shows Mm -hmm. that I think this was mimicking. But as soon as I saw that, I was like... I mean, I was when this movie came out. I was probably watching Mr. Wizard. Like, right. Oh, for sure. So, oh. okay. I think we did it. I'm so glad. I mean, I had seen Real Genius in the past maybe five to ten years, so I mm-hmm. I didn't think that there was going to be anything super problematic. But I'm really glad that there wasn't because yeah. I just wanted to enjoy my one of my favorite movies. The second those those credits, boy, those credits. Yeah, Those you know what? I don't are... remember them as clearly. I think that maybe because I watched it on TV so much too, or yeah. like the VHS copy that I had, maybe didn't even have the credits. Or probably I would rewind to almost the beginning. Is yes. probably what would happen because yeah. I didn't need, and I would just start because, like, as a kid, that opening is boring. Is boring. Yeah, but it's literally like the history of weapons technology. <laughs> yeah, set to like. That song, You Took Advantage of Me, which is, like, pretty direct. Pretty on the nose, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See, Mitch, I used to be you. And lately, I've been missing me. So I asked Hathaway if I could room with me, and he said, sure. You know what? I It is very sweet, actually, that because here, in closing, (laughs) Chris is being a pain, and Mitch is annoyed. But I, but I think Chris is doing it with real heart. Like, I do think Chris did yeah. actually ask for him to room with him because he knows how easy it can be to crack. Right. Um, and he, like, wants – he doesn't want Mitch to, to suffer yeah. in that way, I think. No, I think um, so, too. I think so, too. I think it's actually very sweet. Mm-hmm. And he is – I mean, like – He's sort of thoughtless sometimes, but he is really generally very sweet to Mitch. Mm-hmm. Like when Mitch shows up, um, he's he comes back to the room. It's the first time he's met Chris and he can't find his clothes. Mm-hmm. And it's because Chris unpacked for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of because you think he's like, oh, I threw your clothes out because I wanted to use your suitcase. To, but no, he just no, he unpacked, unpacked for him. him. Yeah, that's kind of nice. It really is. It's very yeah. cute. 
Wait. Oh, and then another thing is when he when he realizes he solved the problem of the laser, mm-hmm. Val Kilmer's like ecstatic expression of excitement mm-hmm. when he's running around and he's like, "You're not Mitch. He's not in the toilet." He's like, "Ah." <laughs> Would you be prepared if gravity that's reversed that's itself? That's a door. That's a wall. So I guess for our listeners, what I would like to know is, is it just us or is this also one of your favorite movies from when you were a kid? Like, and if so, like, what was your relationship to it? Because I don't think of myself as someone who would be drawn to this kind of humor. I mean, I did choose Top Secret, like, uh, you know, like an onion contained layers, but like, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, like the... My closest friend, I think I've talked about this, like, we bonded in the beginning because we liked a lot of the same movies, and this was one of them, that we Mm -hmm. would just quote back and forth to each other. But I'm wondering if, like, is it a... Because it's not a generational thing, because you and I are not in the same generation. We both have this movie as our, like, in our top whatever, five. Yeah. It does... um... On First Pass... It, I think it definitely feels like a me movie. Mm. I think mm-hmm. you wouldn't be surprised to find out that this was one of my favorites in the way you might be surprised to find out it was one of yours. But I do think, which I said last week, and now listeners, if you hadn't seen this movie before and yeah. you watched it with us, uh, you might. I, I wonder if you would agree when I say that like on the Molly Ringwald, John Candy spectrum, it is a pretty good midpoint, I think. Yeah. Though, is that only because Val Kilmer is so beautiful like like do we does this movie feel the same way if like john crier is no offense john crier but is playing val kilmer no i think it's also because of jordan Mm -hmm. i think because we have a female character that is like relatively central to the plot and has a personality and isn't just a romantic interest that like because the difference if we want to be super simplistic about it one of the obvious differences between those types of movies is male versus female lead right right right. and so this has more of a female presence including the director but you know mainly jordan to balance out the like goofy maleness Mm -hmm. you know and i think for me that's kind of why it fits more in the middle right and also Val Kilmer is goofy in this movie, but he's, it's not the goofy maleness right. that you talk about. No, like, he's silly. Or that, that we talk about. He's, like, very silly and, like, very sweet. There's, yeah. like, a, a... Although sweetness, I think, actually is more of the John Candy side of things. Yeah. I, I don't know that, like... Um, and he does, we, like, lust after women and stuff, but it's in sort of a restrained like, way. It's not, like, he, like... Yeah. It's... He's not like a sex pest. He's like n- nothing about him is restrained, really. Right. Like he is as brash in the way that he comes onto women as he is in the way that he treats the men in the movie. But he's not like, like he's not like a pest about it. Yeah. Like he will hit on a woman and she will turn him down, and he will be sort of like almost impressed. Yeah, he'll be like, okay, and and then yeah. move on with his life. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, he so takes maybe no that's an part of it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's part of it too. Yeah, that makes sense. I love the scene in the movie where he's like studying desperately on the lawn, and a woman walks by, and he like just starts sobbing. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have to study. Oh, you know what's a little thing that I really love is when he has studied for the exam. He goes in and takes the exam, oh. and he gives the I aced this, mm-hmm. and then the exploding apple. Yeah, oh, makes yep. me so happy for him. Yeah. Just so confidently I aced this. Yeah. 
Good for you. Good for you, Chris Knight. Okay. So next week. Next week. We are continuing our December run of movies we both already love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, again, this is in our, like, at least for me, in my top five growing up movies for sure. Absolutely. Like, repeat watchings, quoting incessantly. Yes. You know, fits in, I think, pretty well with the rest of the movies that we've talked about as well mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and theoretically... Um, this is my week, but again, this month, it kind of doesn't matter because these are movies we've both chosen. But in terms of division of responsibility, I'll be telling folks what this movie is about next week and you'll be introducing it. Correct. Um, so same year, actually, that Real Genius came out. I mean, talk about a year for movies. Like I know we've done this before. were unbelievable. Yeah. Um, in my brain... This is like John Hughes adjacent. It, yeah. There are a few movies like that. This is one of them. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, it's because the actor in this movie is not a John Hughes actor, but sh- weird, But it's weird that he's not. Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah. 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 So anyway, all that to say, I don't know why I need to do such a huge lead up. Um, but next <laughs> week, we keep doing that. I know. Um, as if there's like all of the suspense. <laughs> People waiting with bated breath. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Yeah, it's going to be better off dead. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think there will probably be, again, maybe some some little, you know, some jokes that don't hold up. Um, but John Cusack as our our hero, Lane Meyer. A lot of skiing in this movie, which is not something that I did ever. No. Um, I'm from New Jersey. Like, only the rich kids skied, and I wasn't a rich kid, so... But that's that's our movie for next week. I am really, um, really excited for this one. Yeah, me too. I say that every week. I know. I, I love this movie so much. There's a lot of stuff that connects to stuff we've talked about mm-hmm. in like silly ways and also in like real oh. thematic ways. Wow. We almost left without our Jersey connection. Oh, yeah. There's two because I found one and you found one. What's uh, Did you tell me yours yet? Yes. So the Jersey connection that I found was that when they are on the plane oh. replacing the chip and they're communicating with Jordan and Laszlo and Ick, um, they are using the code names Abbott and Costello. And if you listen to last week's episode about Patterson, you will know that Lou Costello is a Patterson native mm-hmm. um, and is very proudly claimed by the state and has a statue of him. Uh, I believe it's in Patterson. I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yours was? This one's the, more fun. This one really well, delighted me. William Atherton is in a movie called Jersey Shore Shark Attack. I have to watch this movie. Well, we're going to and we get one million downloads. It's right. going up on Patreon. Right. We'll do a watch along. I, this movie, I, okay. I have to just quickly um read the synopsis of this movie. I know we're not going to talk about it in depth, but trouble in circle seaside Heights, New Jersey as once more intense drilling vibrations coming from the town's new beach resort, attract a swarm of deadly sharks who crave human flesh. 
Under those circumstances, the sheriff's son, TC, and his friends, who bear an uncanny resemblance to the cast of Jersey Shore, decide to take matters into their own hands to avert an upcoming 4th of July massacre. Can TC and his team of tanned guidos rid Jersey Shore of its killer albino man-eaters? Dude. It's perfect. I am so happy this has been brought into my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's terrible, and I'm sure it's wonderful. I am so excited. Yeah, one million downloads. Share us, share us with your friends, folks. Yeah, that'll be the reward. If if uh, our listeners spread the word and we get more more reviews on Apple Podcasts and more uh, sort of friends sharing the podcast with other friends, your reward will be a watch along of Jersey Shore Shark Attack. I don't that's... know if that's a, a promise or a threat, but there it is. But it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's free on Tubi. There you go. It's and only it's an a, hour and 27 minutes. You know, you know, you know, I love an 80 minute movie. <laughs> I will say this movie is a little, I mean, I love every second of it, but this movie is a little long. Um, yeah. It's almost, it's what an hour and 50. Yes. It's, it's like almost something like that. Yeah. Um, and again, in closing, I'll just keep saying that and eventually it'll be true. Right. Um, there are like multiple song long montage i love the montages montage why can't i say montage there are like multiple song long montages i will say though those could not be cut those are my part of my you know some of my favorite parts of the movie i think they're great and they feel good to watch but it is a long movie and you would think in yeah they would be something to go i maybe there were many more maybe this is the the like short, short version. The short, yeah. Yeah. No, the first, I think the first montage is the one where we see the, um, so the first one, yeah, the first montage is when we see the classroom progression of like, he goes to class, they're all there taking notes. Then he goes mm-hmm. to class and there's a bunch of boom boxes, but still some I, students. Then he goes I to class and it's all boxes. recorders and boom boxes, but him. And then the final time he goes to class and it's all recorders and the professor is on a recording. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a really good built up joke. Yeah. Visual joke. It's very good. Okay. Where can they find us? At WatchersPodNJ on Instagram. They can email us, WatchersPodNJ at Gmail. Mm-hmm. They can review us on Apple Podcasts. They can review us on Apple Podcasts. We haven't gotten a review in a little while. Yeah. Um, would love one. Um, or a hundred. We get <laughs> 5,000 reviews and we'll skip right to um, Jersey Shore Shark Attack um, no matter how many downloads we have. There you go. Yeah. And they can find me on Instagram. Uh, Jody underscore Mim, J O D I E underscore M I M. And they can find you at AQ Andrew Q. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on the slopes. Thank you.